Megabus Diaries, Chapter 4 Two Garlic Bread and a King Prawn Special Food is something that's very important to me. I love to feed people. You're such a feeder, she used to say. You'll make me fat. I tell her I'd still love her and we laugh. At least we used to laugh. I hold the thought in my happy, sad heart and feel the emotion gently ebb away like a cramp being released. That was then. These days, I'm a single man and work in a bistro in one of Greater Manchester's many towns. These small urban environments are repeating orbital systems, replicas of the city centre. They are fractal representations of the whole. I found that Mancunians are very proud of the fact that Greater Manchester is a county in its own right. So much so that I've been verbally reprimanded for referring to areas in Greater Manchester as Lancashire, which of course falls under the administration of Lancaster. They are a fiercely political lot, these Northwesterners. I spent some time in Yorkshire, where all are united by a general agreement that Yorkshire is better than anywhere else, and that's an end to it. The Northwest, on the other hand, seems to be more adversarial on a local level. But one thing that unites them all is a palpable and vehement hatred of all things Scouse. Unless, of course, there is a Southerner in the room, at which point the old North-South Convention kicks in and then kicks off. I fall into that last category, and as such represent London and the home counties. In this colonial view of the British Isles, the following can also be taken as read. The southwest, up as far as Bristol, and far east as the Basingstoke roundabout, are like Switzerland and remain neutral in all situations. Except Cornwall, of course, who are planning a republic where Rick Stein is their emperor and everyone will carry weaponised fish. The West Midlands are a curio to all, and a good place for a curry, but generally held to be harmless, and are culturally beneficial for stand-up comedy and exhibitions. The East Midlands is what you drive through to either get to or get away from London. East Anglia is mostly fields, and the North East is good for a party and crabs. Both kinds. There's always more, but on this occasion it's Manchester and the surrounding area that drifts back to the forefront of my wandering mind. As I reflect on this last thought, it occurs to me that it's pretty much how I've lived my life, drifting. Sometimes things drift into focus and stay for a while, before the weak but all-pervasive force of my own life's gravity draws me away in some other direction. Of course, when I met her, I thought all this had changed, but it hadn't. We drifted further and further apart until we had to shout to be heard across the distance between us. Now I drift again, drift through the ether of life without expectation or fear. I did have a career once, or at least I tried to, but it didn't want me. My career rejected me out of hand for being too me-like, for being too much myself. Others might say that I was pursuing the wrong career, but my heart was in it. I wanted to help people. It was the system that rejected me. So now I work in a small bistro as part of a team. I belong. Perhaps that's what I'm missing, more and more in this postmodern, information-driven, woke world of opposites and estranged minorities. Two garlic bread and a king prawn special, is the order. Having proved my metal at the sink as a pot wash, I'm now entrusted with small plates and starters. The orders come in and I plate them up and send them out. Timing, organisation, communication, precision and focus. These are the skills of the short order cook.
I love it. I spent years toiling away with these kinds of skills in the health sector, doing my best to deliver, but it never seemed to hit the mark. I wanted to help people, to help them be happy. Now I make people happy with food, with good service and cheery banter. I'm a food therapist, delivering satisfaction and well-being on a plate. A commercial kitchen is a curious place to be. It is true that all chefs are a little bit off the wall. They live in a cloistered world of numbers, measurements and relationships. The first measurement is cost. Markup is everything, especially in an industry where prices fluctuate so dramatically. The next measurement is time. Everything has to be done within a specific time frame. Too slow and the customer complains and the tickets back up, sending the whole environment into meltdown and the head chef into alcoholism and apoplectic rage. Too fast and food is sat on the heated pass, slowly being cooked into an inedible disaster. The third and final core value is quantity. How much in a recipe? How much on the plate? How much wastage? And so on. These three measurements of price, time and quantity interact in an endless dance of variables that the jobbing chef has to be aware of at all times. Then you have to know how to cook stuff, take complaints, deal with allergies and intolerances, work antisocial hours and compete with the other dozen or so similar outlets, all of whom are watching you like a hawk, just in case you either change the menu or fuck up at some point. It's a sub-community of the local area, an assortment of dysfunctional families all working hard and complaining about something. Then there's the kitchen front of house relationship, which is at best fractious and at worst warlike. One blames the other, and the other counter-strikes with issues about the plating, which causes the chef to turn into a mixture of Genghis Khan and Hannibal Lecter, at which point the poor server goes and cries in the toilet for five minutes, before either cracking on or handing in their notice to go and be abused in a different yet strangely familiar establishment. Flying through the tickets mid-service is like being shot with one of those tennis ball machines whilst trying to catch every ball, cook it, cut it up and stick it on a plate with some cress and bat it straight back. The really strange thing is that this is what chefs love the most. The drama, pressure and performance of a busy service is a volcanic high, the likes of which one would usually achieve through the ingestion of multiple narcotics. Three tortillas, one king prawn special and sliders. No cheese on the sliders. Yes, chef, I call back. No fucking cheese? What twat orders sliders with no cheese? Fuck me. I need amaranth and we're low on burger mix, says my cooking comrade jovially. Amaranth and burgers, chef, I confirm. Another curious thing in a kitchen environment is that all communication is routinely peppered with insults, expletives, sexist and often racist observations as a vehicle for important food information to be delivered upon. The swearing and shouting is a container for the important stuff. At first I was horrified by the vile abuse that poured from the head chef's mouth. But I've come to recognise that this is not really a conscious expression of intent or even the true nature of the individual. It's a safety valve, a way of venting the pressure we are working under. If the woke police found their way into the industry, I believe 80% of restaurants and gastropubs would shut down overnight. Perhaps we could all do with a little more of this. Are we making the world a better place with trigger warnings, with restrictions on language, forcing changes in behaviour perceived as offensive, although not actually physically harmful or even intentionally upsetting?
or are we capping the opening at which the pressure is released? You can build the dam as high as you like, but when it floods, it floods. To keep the orders running, to keep the food and service flowing, we all need to blow off steam as we go. Otherwise, we seize up and the whole thing crashes. This is why chefs are all a little nuts. I don't condone the casual racism, referring to chips as N-word lips in the tradition of rhyming slang, or the sexually inappropriate remarks made to teenage servers. But I understand the function of such banter and behaviour. I'm sure some would chastise me for such right-wing liberalism, but surely it's healthier to understand these things than deny they exist. A commercial kitchen is often a male-dominated alpha military environment, and in some ways this place havoc with my beta male postmodern sensibilities, but it's a weird kind of fun. All of this, like the bus and the journey from which I make this reminiscence, is a metaphor for the modern Western world. We are ruled by a high-pressure male-dominated elite. The safety valves are removed and the pressure builds. Prejudice abounds, but conversations are curtailed and the victims are expected to suck it up buttercup because we've got work to do. My generation complained bitterly about young people not being able to take criticism and being too sensitive. But where are their safety valves? What chance do they have in an increasingly monetized, automated, high-pressure environment? These Gen Zs are more and more sexualized and commodified to the point of having no say in their own personality. Even the act of rebellion has been synthesized and sold back to them for four times the price. Their arts funding has been reduced because we spent the money on bombs in wars that started before they were born. The EU pot is running dry because we failed to think so many things through properly and the likes of Google, Facebook and Amazon have monopolised any kind of novel act and all that is left for them to aspire to is the unobtainable. Meanwhile, a burnt-out angry chef who wields power from the rear reduces them to tears simply because some fucking IT consultant got the lamb instead of the beef. I feel for them. As I ponder this sobering thought, there is a mechanical clank and the sound of air hissing. These worrying sounds emanate from the back of the bus. We slow down significantly and there is the inevitable announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be stopping at the next services. Please stay in your seats. Where else am I going to go? The bar? The upper deck? Does this woman think she's driving a Boeing down the M6 or what? She then adds, a little disconcertingly, There's nothing to worry about, but there will be a slight delay.